that's kind of one of the first big takeaways for me from really how volunteering can expand you as a person that's actually doing the volunteering is it's a great way to meet people that wouldn't necessarily be in the circle that you're in in other parts of your life. Welcome to the Learning to Change podcast, where we explore the power of the modern learner's lens and put the focus on learning. I'm your host, Melissa Emler, and today we delve into a topic that is close to my heart, volunteering and altruism. We're fortunate to have with us Nicole Sadow, a firm believer in the transformative power of volunteerism and a self-proclaimed recovering volunteer addict. From her own experiences to her interesting insights on different cultures' attitudes towards volunteering, Nicole leaves no stone unturned. She discusses how volunteering can expand you as a person and offers you the opportunity to meet people outside of your usual circles. Nicole also challenges conventional views about volunteering and invites us to see it as not just a service to others, but as an investment in ourselves, a path of growth and learning. She delves into the fascinating intersection of altruism and volunteering, pondering if we could exercise our altruism to become better individuals. Through our conversation, we explore Altruize, a company Nicole is building to make a significant impact on the world. Nicole's journey and the transformative power of volunteering underscore the essence of this podcast, that learning is the basis of all change. So sit back, tune in, and join us on this inspiring journey of growth, change, and learning. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Nicole Sadow. Welcome to the show, Nicole. I'm so glad you are here with us today. And we are going to talk about volunteerism. (laughs) Why don't you start out by telling me everything that comes to mind? um, Because I think of you as the foremost expert in volunteerism. So I would love for you to just start out by telling me what that means to you. What does it mean to volunteer? Well, you know, that's one of those things that that um, they have you start early on, right? Because you need to get things going for your college careers or, or whatever. You know, I, I had parents that were great examples. So then volunteering came uh, naturally to me, but my husband and I, we found ourselves in a community that was not our original own. And we ended up diving into volunteering just as a way to meet people, which was great. So that's kind of one of the first big takeaways for me from really how volunteering can expand you as a person that's actually doing the volunteering is it's a great way to meet people that wouldn't necessarily be in the circle that you're in, in other parts of your life. And yet, you know, they've got the same passion as you. So that's probably one of the the big takeaways. And then that got me really focused on other parts of volunteering you know, I, I was the type of volunteer, I call myself a recovering volunteer addict. Um, <laughs> and the reason I, I, well, the reason I call myself that is after giving birth to our first child, I was volunteering and somebody said, oh, where's Nate? And I'm like, oh, he's with the babysitter. And I thought, um, I probably should rearrange my volunteering schedule a little bit where I don't have to actually have somebody watching my own child to be able to volunteer. So, but that's how important volunteering 
is to me. I think it's it's a key key part of our fabric. Not all countries have volunteering, which floored me. Yeah, tell but, me more about that. So um, Sweden, they would think you're crazy if you're on the side of the road picking up trash. Like oh. you have to be getting paid for that. Whatever it is, you have to be getting paid for it. So that was another, you know, again, in this journey of really understanding and learning volunteerism at its core, finding out that other countries didn't, like cultures didn't mm-hmm. have volunteering, whatever that, yeah, whatever that means. So then, you know, and then I progressed into leadership roles of different nonprofits as, you know, a volunteer in that sense. And um, that was eye-opening as well, as far as being on the, the kind of the other side mm-hmm. of that. What I think is so interesting is, you know, we really think about volunteering. I think about volunteering as sort of sharing your gifts and talents and your time mm-hmm. and your energy. And for you, it feels like you're in like the daycare story really shows me that you actually invest in your volunteerism. So yes. It's, you, you're actually making an investment into the organizations and others that you help through your time and your talents, but it's more like that. There's an investment piece for you. That's very interesting. So tell me more about how your idea or your work as a volunteer has evolved. So you talked about entering, you know, the nonprofit world and Mm -hmm. serving on boards, but tell me how else it's evolved. So I'm actually a chiropractor by degree, but um, this whole process and learning the importance of it. So I'm going to go back to what you touched on, the investment part. Yeah. It, you don't realize how much it makes you grow as a person. Mm-hmm. Like the, the value that it gives you as the person volunteering is so beautiful. I mean, I, I can't describe it. Like, again, just everything you learn, everything that you take in, if you truly allow it to be an investment, not just in in the organization, but you're investing in yourself to learn something new. Oh, that's a really great point. Yes. And I love that because the Learning to Change podcast is focused on learning. Yeah. And we believe that learning is the basis of all change that happens, both mm-hmm. as an individual as well as systemically. Absolutely. So that got me appreciating and thinking how, as humans, for us to get better at anything, we have to do it more and we have to do it intentionally, right? If you want yeah. to be better at math, you're going to have to do math more. If you want to be a better runner, you're going to have to run more. You might not like it, but that's what you got to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what if to be gooder people, yes, I use that word, we have to actually be intentional about it? Mm-hmm. What if we have to exercise our altruism, which what that's what altruize means, to exercise your altruism? What if we have to be intentional about that? So that's really interesting that you bring that the idea of altruism up. So how do you see volunteering and altruism being related or different from each other? Can you compare and contrast volunteering yeah. with altruism? There was a TED Talk uh, about altruism. Abigail, is her first name, blanking on the last name, um, who did a TED Talk where she touched on altruism and how there's the people that will give a kidney to a stranger so they're way over on the super altruistic scale. And then the sociopaths mm-hmm. don't even have a clue, right? And she did this whole bell curve thing. And that's what really got me going, what if we could teach it? What if we could make our amygdala even larger? And because that's where our altruism stores. So yes, there is that, there is that argument of 
if kids have 40 hour requirement to go volunteer, um, that's not volunteering. You're forcing them to do that. There is that argument. I get it. So first of all, the, the perception needs to change of it's not forcing them. It's a way for them to learn in a different way, using a different, you know, going through a different door. They still get to choose the door of which pathway they want to learn from. They want to go to the Salvation Army. They want to pick up trash. They want to stuff envelopes or still get to pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's still a pathway of learning from that standpoint. And what the hope is, what the expectation is, what my dream is, <laughs> is that they they go from that I have to into the wow this this feeds my soul this is what I I need to do this just to for my own mental health which there's been proven uh, research on how important volunteering is for mental health mm-hmm. physical health with decreased anxiety and blood pressure and just all that stuff too so they're they're intimately related it's just whether or not we've actually i don't think we've tapped the surface on how much and really right. exposed it to to utilize it for that purpose so that's kind of again why ultraize exists is to try to get people to be intentional and really focus on that yeah so talk to me about ultraize which is the company that you're building um in order to have this massive impact on the world so talk to me tell me a little bit about ultraize and what your goals are well it starts out at its basic level we talked about how you know some high schools are requiring hours for graduation this volunteer data throughout our culture and over the last decade really has gotten to be really important for the volunteer themselves because it is an advancement tool for either getting into college or getting a job, um, whatever it might be. So the the very basic part of what we do is, as a starting point is let's capture that data for you. Let's make sure it happened and get it verified um, and then allow you to keep it for free. And mm-hmm. it's a digital traveling volunteer portfolio that is free for the volunteer to have for a lifetime. One of the things I'm excited about is that they also run their own free report. So again, they can use that for college or getting jobs, whatever it might be, but there's goal setting on there. Mm-hmm. So this is where we take it to that next level where we were anticipating that they say, okay, yeah, I had to do the 40 hours, but you know what? Now I'm on my own, I'm becoming an adult. I wanna do 40 hours for the year in my community or a hundred or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that next level. So it's a way to track the volunteer work that you're doing. Yeah. That's awesome. And why did you start it? Like, what was the problem <laughs> you were trying to solve? Well, so I had two previous startups prior to Ultraize. I kind of fell forward into Ultraize as I kind of became the expert in this field over the last 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, not knowing that's what I was doing, but that's that's what the, uh, <laughs> the learning process is all about, truly, right? right? For me, one of the biggest complaints is sitting around that table for the fundraiser. And I'm like, there's got to be other people that have done these fundraisers before. Why are we still talking about how to do the spaghetti dinner? Like what, what's going on? Um, so it actually started off with the, <laughs> see, you've been there. Yeah. The spaghetti <laughs> dinner conversation. I've oh. been in that many a times. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so it actually started off as a buying selling of fundraising ideas. Um, because, you know, that fun, that nonprofit in California might have a really kick-ass fundraiser and why shouldn't we be trying it here? 
kind of thing. It evolved, though, into seeing that the volunteer themselves, this again, this data is really important. And it that happened in a few different ways. So the college admissions scandal, um, started doing research on that and found out that over 60% of college admissions officials admit to using volunteer data as a tiebreaker. Well, it's not standardized. It's not validated. That, that's mm-hmm. not good that that's the data point being used. Um, now, a lot of colleges and universities have eliminated ACT, SAT scores. You've got chat GTP that's going to be writing the essays. Like, how about we have some objective tool in that process? Mm-hmm. So that's one piece. And then, you know, it's one of the top 10 employee benefits now getting getting offered is paid time off to go volunteer. Well, how yes, do you know that's and, happening? And even my husband's company matches yeah. or uh, matches There's time an incentive. Or- yeah, or pays time. So yep. he has been the coach of our kids' um, summer ball leagues forever. And every year his company sends um, a check to our school in the amount any ranging anywhere from 500 to $1,500 mm-hmm. per summer based on how many teams he coached, essentially. And while he didn't get paid for that labor, this, personally, the school – essentially paid him for his labor in a donation to the school. But you're you're absolutely right. Now, I mean, it's probably not nearly <laughs> connected to the number of hours he put in or anything like that. No. But again, there's no validation piece to that. It's basically on his word um, that he did this and then the right. company sends the money. So that validation piece could be extremely important. Yeah, especially as it continues to grow and become important for these companies, the larger they are, the more they're going to need that for the third-party verification. Um, was it Target? A few years back, did an ad that they did a million hours of volunteering. And I apparently was the only pessimistic consumer out there. I'm like, I didn't see a bullseye in my neighborhood. Like, how do you prove that? You know, yeah. them using those hours to get us as customers too is, I think, going to affect it as well as more as more people expect that transparency yes. in their in companies. Um, and last but not least, you know, we had a patient we were talking with about all tries and they said, wow, somebody I know really could have used this. They had court ordered community service. They went in front of the judge. The judge said, oh, you've got 10 more hours. They said, no, I'm done. Judge said, nope, you've got 10 more hours. It's like, yep, paperwork got lost. Things, emails got missed, like whatever. Like, um. so that's another area that I think we could have a huge social change. Yeah. Talk about learning. <laughs> Well, and I think it's fascinating that the piece that is missing in all of those areas that you just mentioned is the validation place, right? And so, you know, confirmation class in high school, we send them with their little chart and we tell them to have the person they did the volunteering for sign off. And it's probably very fake, right? Like we hope that they're truthful and honest. Um, but it's there's no guarantee. The other thing that I think is really interesting about the concept that you're sort of building is and in the fact that you're tying it to learning, you know, there's different levels of volunteering, right? So you can volunteer at the concession stand for a couple of hours, or you can pick up garbage, um, you know, on a cleanup Saturday. And those are really important contributions to the community. But I think what's really important is, do they understand what they're hoping to learn 
from that experience? Or is it just the easy way to get that hour and check it off the list? I think originally, yes, it was the easy way to get the hour, right? One of the things that's on the All Tries platform, though, and we stress a lot is the skill development profile. Yeah. So they, we use the 16 career clusters recognized by the U.S. Department of Education mm-hmm. and, you know, tell the students, but honestly, all tries this for everyone, like anyone listening, download mm-hmm. it. It's yours for free. Use it. But if you really want to showcase that you're trying to develop a specific skill or you're really proficient in a specific skill, then you can use the skill development profile to show that because that gets third party verified you know, it, yeah. so you'll get a report that says, this is what I did. This is who I did it for. This is who can confirm it. If you ever wanted to reach out to him and here's the skill developments that I was working on for that. Yes. And I think that that's super helpful um, in helping volunteers understand that the skills they learn in the volunteer situations are transferable to the oh. work that they do that earns them money or um, th- the work that they'll do in their future, right? Like what are they trying to create and develop on their own? All of these experiences build a skill set that is transferable. And that's a really exciting piece of it yep. too. Absolutely. And that's again, where I think um, in the judicial space, we can change the narrative of right now, court or community service that's seen as a punishment, right? They're never going to volunteer again, yes. right? That is a punishment. Um, if we can change that narrative to say, no, 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 this is an opportunity. This is a way to show a different skill set. This is your data. It's not a piece of paper that says, you know, probation office on it. Like there's no stigma behind it. You go in, do your volunteering. Yeah, the court will see that, what they need, but this is your data. You go apply for vet tech because now you've figured out that you love animals by helping out the Humane Society. Like right. go, go have your life. That's super fascinating. So tell me, what are the biggest barriers to both um, people volunteering and to organizations knowing what to ask for and knowing who to seek out? What What are the barriers to altruism? Um, I think the biggest barrier is just the the individual feel, feeling comfortable enough to, to going in and saying, where do you need me? Mm-hmm. That's why it tends to be a, a community type event. And I don't mean that as like literally the entire community. I mean, you and a friend, right? It's a social, there we go. It's Mm -hmm. a social thing. Like usually there's a, somebody recommends you to go. Um, From the, from the organization side, um, I do think there's a disconnect because they, they don't appreciate how much these hours really affect the individual. Um, And making sure that they have connected that individual with the right volunteer opportunity not just a body. Oh, let's talk about that for a second. I am a great volunteer when it's when I'm doing work that is within my skill set. Mm-hmm. Because I can I can, you know, get things done. <laughs> I can yep. check a whole lot of boxes. <laughs> yep. And I don't even think of it as a burden in any way mm-hmm. as long as I'm within my skill set. But well, and I have an advanced skill set that I always feel like is underutilized in volunteer situations, right? So like um, when it comes to the community cleanup particular day, I'm probably better utilized in creating the marketing materials yeah. to 
gather other people to do the cleanup. Yep. So like sometimes my best contributions actually come before the actual event where people are thinking about volunteers, but the organization doesn't always know how to ask for help with those things beforehand. Right. And right. that's where I thrive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're very, it's very true. So they, they are so more often than not, obviously this isn't just a generalization, so focused on the event itself and what has to happen that day that they forget all the working parts before and, and after. You would be great to send out the thank yous or, you know, mm -hmm. do a nice little thank you marketing piece, yeah. right? Mark your calendar for the next event kind of thing, right? Let's yeah. keep it going. So yeah, well, I work with a lot of events. So I know there's essentially three stages. There's the mm -hmm. before and there's a ton of stuff to do before. And mm -hmm. then there's the during and then there's the after. There are yeah. three distinct stages to events or opportunities or experiences like we're talking about. And my skill set, honestly, is best before and after. I love to gather the data. I love to write the press release. I love to do the social media posts because that's where I know that I can contribute um, in a very meaningful way. But right. again, a lot of times people don't actually consider all of the labor that is needed in all of those stages. And so right. um, I think that's something that organizations can get better at identifying is when the organization needs help, it it needs it more broadly, likely. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity to to correct the volunteers out there too, because there's, there's certainly, I've heard way more than I should, is if a nonprofit is asking for help on the before or the after, I'll, I'll hear those volunteers say, well, they've got staff for that. Why? Oh. They've got staff for that. Can somebody do that? I mean, isn't that what we're you know, helping raising this money for to pay for so-and-so? Isn't that so-and-so's job? Like, oh, trust me. <laughs> yeah, well, and, you know, it's interesting because in those situations, it's funny that you say that because the organizations that I support in a variety of different ways recognize that sometimes the event becomes their entire job for way too much time. And the other actual work <laughs> that they, you know, that they're doing um, gets put on the back burner. And then the event ends up taking way too much time away from the other actual work that's happening in the nonprofit or in or in the government organization or wherever. And so it's been my experience that um, once I figured that out about myself in terms of volunteering and was able to offer support in those other ways that were within my skill set and found more joy in that, um, I've been able to offer that. And those organizations and government agencies have been very open to that. So that hasn't been my experience, but it's interesting. I can see where that would definitely come up. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of this is a great time to say, you know what? nonprofits, just because you've been doing an event for 20 years doesn't mean you should keep doing it. What is the cost analysis on that? So another thing that Altrize has on the platform is your impact, your monetary impact. So the volunteer hour right now is worth $29.95. It's a national number. We, we keep that fresh on our site. But if you had to step back and do a just quick high level overview of the money you just brought in and the time, just the time that went into creating that, was it worth it? Can you make it better? 
is there a piece you can leave behind the whole thing? Like, can you just send out letters asking for money and get just as much in? Like, what was the purpose of that event? If it was PR too, and you, you know, you got a lot of PR and extra volunteers from it. Great. That's definitely should be considered, but really think about that stuff. Yeah, that is so fascinating. Let's go back to talk about that for a second. The 29, what did you say a volunteer hour was worth? So $29.95. Um, again, we don't calculate that. That's a national number. If you just Googled, what is a volunteer hour worth? You'll, it'll pop right up. That is, in effect, not only what you're helping the uh, nonprofit kind of save, but you just mentioned your high-level skill set, right? Mm -hmm. That's got a lot of value, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're trying to combine all that together and figure out what that number is. Yeah. And I, again, because I have that skill set, I feel like that's much more important for me. And when I'm talking about that skill set, I'm talking about like, I can whip up a web page and I can write copy and mm -hmm. I can write some emails and, that's huge. and I can also support the, the organization and understanding what the process is to get to, you know, for the marketing process for an event. Um, but because ever since I've figured that out, that that is the value that I can contribute, I am much more apt to volunteer. And it also prevents me from having to commit to a specific time and place, mm -hmm. which in and my- And that's your comfort level. That's yes. So it's suiting you perfectly. Yep. Yes. It, well, and it's just with my life circumstances where yep. they are right now, I would do more volunteering, but with family and other obligations at times when there are things, you know, that, that conflict with what's happening in the volunteer world, I can still be very much a part of the community park cleanup day. Um, even if I'm at a baseball game for my kid, right? Yep. Like I, yep. I can do a whole bunch of work before that and still feel like I contributed. Yeah. So I think that's really important um, to allow for volunteering to not have to be within a certain time frame and um, to a time frame that, you know, that without any flexibility, the less rigidness in volunteerism, <laughs> I think is yeah. probably better, more yeah. flexibility. Well, we have less rigidness in our work life now. Yes. So it needs to show up in our volunteer life too. And there's a season for everything. So, yes. you know, you might find a season where you're like, you know what? All right. I can go out and do the, you know, highway pickup now. Yes. Let's get some fresh air. Like whatever. You know, yeah. That's, that's the beauty of volunteering. There's a season and you, you plug and play where you need. Yeah. So you talked about one of your failed attempts at um, startup life being sort of like an idea bank of um, volunteering ideas mm -hmm. or whatnot. So have you thought about how that work still is really important and plays a role? Or are there other things out there? Like, where do you suggest people go for those ideas? And are you at all interested in connecting volunteers to each other to share their experiences in a community type of way? So that's kind of what's next for Ultrise is creating that volunteer community. There's really no social platform out there for that and being able to connect with people that have the same passion as you, but maybe you'd never meet otherwise, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, you're the CEO of a company, somebody's a, a beggar at the checkout from the grocery store across town. Yes. Like they never meet, right? But 
boy, they, they have a passion for puppies. <laughs> so they're at the Humane yes. Society all the time. And like that, I think that's kind of the next level. So again, bringing altruism to into play, bringing out empathy, which is ultimately how we relate as humans and how we get rid of the hate, just to be quite frank about it, right? Absolutely. So that's kind of the next level for, for all tries to get to. Once we, we get all these users that are going to be coming on board. and <laughs> I think it's point. so fascinating. And I'm just so excited um, because I know your journey has been a long road to this point. But the problem has always been there. And you've always had the solution. You've just needed to find a way to bring the solution to life. Yeah. And you've needed to connect with the right people. You know, and I'm a faith-driven entrepreneur in the in the sense that I absolutely believe this is, you know, God's doing. I like to say that God doesn't read resumes clearly because I'm a chiropractor. Um, but then I've come to appreciate it's because he writes them. Like he's been training me up for this. So it's his timing. And I can look back as much as I com I start to complain about how, how long this has taken me. But I look back and go, yeah, it really couldn't have been done any other way, uh, right. timing wise. And probably one of my favorite lines from Mark Cuban is, um, yeah, 10 years to instant success. And <laughs> You know, yes. and that's what it looks like from the outside because nobody's heard of me right now. Right. And then six months from now, a year from now, mm -hmm. you know, on the cover of Forbes and yes, like, oh, I see it, it just happened. I see <laughs> it right <laughs> now. And in, in getting there, it's all of the good that all of the people you're serving have done. So it oh, won't. Oh, that's going to be so wonderful. It won't just be your story. Oh, no, so, not at all. This is it, not my story. <laughs> yeah, it's, and that's what's so fascinating about the work that you're doing. You're you're getting there um, because other people are value volunteering and the empathy that you talked about is, is there. So it, what will Altruize look like when you feel like this is what I dreamt about? What will be happening in Altruize when it is what you've dreamt about? So... For me, the um, that more people will be using Altrize just to hold themselves accountable, not because they have that requirement from school or from a job or from whatever. So seeing that that switch in our demographics of users would be huge for me. Mm -hmm. um, another part would be our, you know, having an international footprint. Um, and then I touched on the other one earlier having an actual community for volunteers, for people who have passions for other things that they want to be able to connect over. I think that those three things, when I sit back and I, I've dreamt of what Altrize can become mm -hmm. uh, and the impact, and then being able to, to use and see that data and see some changes that have happened in the fabric of our society would be yeah. Amazing. That, that's, that's a God thing. Like that's the goal. That's where we're trying to hit. So. Yes. Fascinating. Well, you are on your way, girl. You're getting <laughs> there. And to we're recording this in that in the late part of June. And so it, this likely won't be in the world until probably the late part of July or the early part of August. And so by that time, people will be able to get the brand new app. So do you want to Absolutely. tell us where we can get it? Yeah, you can um, set up your free account at altruizeapp.com um, or just go to your app stores, you know, Android or Apple and 
download it from there. Just search Altrise and it'll pop up. That is exciting. So you can start tracking that volunteer work and the intentionality behind it and start measuring your impact. So Nicole, you're doing great work. Thank you so much for all of your volunteering and all of the work that you're (laughs) going to help all of us volunteers do. (laughs) Thanks so much. Have a good day. Thank you for joining me today on the Learning to Change podcast. I hope you found our discussion insightful and inspiring. As we continue to explore the power of learning and its impact on change, remember that it's not about pushing yourself or others to change, but about embracing the process of learning. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. If you're ready to take your learning journey to the next level or bring about a culture of learning in your organization, join us in our free Modern Learners community. We are here to help you navigate the challenges and celebrate the successes that come with embracing learning and change. Simply go to modernlearners.community and join us today. You'll find all the resources from today's show in there. Until next time, stay curious and remember, I'm not asking you to change, I'm asking you to learn. Learning to Change is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Lou Blaser. Marty Seafelt edits our episodes. Our production assistant is Emily Kilduff. And Sean McMullen is our executive producer. Learning to Change is recorded on the stolen land of the Sauk and Fox tribes, the Miami Nation, the Osati, Shakawi, Sioux, Ho Chunk, and Kickapoo peoples. Mm-hmm.